2 Corinthians chapter 4, and verse 15 says, For all things are for your sake, that the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many redound to the glory of God, for which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, the inward man is renewed day by day. Our light afflictions, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a more exceeding and eternal way to glory. But he told you the condition, why we look not at the thing which are seen, but the thing which are not seen. Now, how are you going to do that? You got to have faith. For the thing which are seen are temporary, natural, but the thing which are not seen are eternal. And that's why we're uh, ministry on this series and showing you the new is better than the old. And the new things, once again, are spiritual things. The new things has the spirit. That's why it's better. Old, old covenant did not have the spirit. The old covenant was not of faith. So let's get right into God's word. We're going to pray. Give God his praise. Father, we thank you now for your Holy Spirit. Thank you for leading us and guiding us and helping us to understand. And we thank you for the spirit of wisdom and knowledge and understanding. Thank you for your spirit of grace and mercy and truth. We give you all your praise and your glory in Jesus' mighty name. Now, I pray that you speak to the hearts of the people, uh, the body of Christ, that they would understand. I pray they will receive the knowledge of God's word. And then they will, you will give them understanding of the word. And we give you praise and glory now in Jesus' name. And all the greet that prayer said, amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. All right. Now, let's go to our subject for today. And that's in 2 Corinthians. We're right next door. Uh, chapter number 3. 2 Corinthians chapter number 3. And we want to go back there to verse number uh, 4. And we're going to read that down to verse number 11. All right, we're going to read that down at verse number 11. Okay, verse number 4 says, And such trust have we through Christ to Godward, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God, who also has made us, I like that word because that's enabled us, he made us, Able ministers of the New Testament, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter killeth, but the Spirit giveth life. But if the ministration of death, written and engraved in stone, was glorious, so that the children of Israel could not steadfastly behold the face of Moses for the glory of his countenance, which glory was to be done away, how shall not the ministration of the Spirit, and that's what happening when you get the new covenant. It's the administration of the Spirit. And then it says, be rather glorious. And then in verse 9 says, but if the administration of condemnation be glory, much more does the administration of righteousness. So the administration of the Spirit is the administration of righteousness. For even that which was made glorious had no glory in this respect by reason of the glory that excelled it. And it says in verse 11, for if that which is done away, done away, was glorious, done away, the Old Testament done away, was glorious, much more that which remaineth, which is the new covenant, is glorious. 
So isn't that something the Old Testament has already been fulfilled and finished and passed off the scene, and yet people are still trying to keep the Old Testament? And you keep saying, no, I'm not, Pastor. But, you know, Jesus said, this do and be members of me. Let's go to the book of Matthew, and let's look at that. Matthew chapter 26. See, what happened is we read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and we keep thinking that's the New Testament. You bought a book from the Christian bookstore, and it had on it the New Testament. Now, but the New Testament did not start in Matthew. Jesus Christ gave us the New Testament. Now, how do I know that? Because the Bible said in the Gospel of John, chapter 1, and verse 17, grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. So Jesus Christ gave us a new covenant. We know that because I'm getting ready to show you that he gave us the New Testament in his blood. In his blood. All right, now, watch this. Matthew chapter number 26. And we're going to be looking at verse number 28. Matthew 26. And we're going to be reading verse number 28. Matthew chapter 26. And let's read verse 28. Uh, uh, turn one page too many there. Hold it. Matthew chapter 26. Let's start with verse 26 because that's where we get the word, the Lord's Supper. And what has happened is we take this and we're not understanding that Jesus Christ did not minister to us. I'm going to give you that. We're going to go that in a moment. That's going to be in Romans 15 and 8. Uh, here in Matthew chapter 28 and 26 and 26. 26 and 26. That's where we're at. And as they were eating. Now, you know that wasn't us. That was Jesus' 12 disciples. As they were eating, Jesus took bread and blessed it and break it and gave to the disciples. Didn't tell you he gave you nothing. He gave to the disciples and said to them, take, eat, this is my body. Didn't tell you, he, it plainly says, he gave it to the disciples and he said to them, take, eat, this is my body. Didn't tell you that. And then it said he took the cup and he gave thanks and he gave it to them. He gave it to them. Past tense. Past tense. I already did. He gave it to them. And the Bible says, and he told them, drink ye all of it. Then in verse 28, then it said, this is my blood. Well, you know, he hadn't died. See, he was telling them what he was about to do. This is my blood, watch this, of the New Testament. That's why you don't have a new, could not have a New Testament until Jesus died on the cross because it took the blood of Christ to ratify the covenant. For this is my blood of the New Testament. Now, you know they were not drinking his blood, but he was telling them what he was about to do, which is shed, he hadn't died yet, he's telling you, for this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed 
for many for the remission of sins. Now, when he died on the cross, it actually happened. When he died on the cross, guess what? He died for our sins. So what he was doing to them was only type and shadow because he was in the Old Testament. And then in verse number 29, I say to you, I will not drink henceforth with the fruit of the vine until that day I drink anew with you in my Father's kingdom. And when they had sung in him, they went out into the Mount of Olives. Now that's something that Jesus did. You know, it's something how the church would take this and say God told us to do it. But then all this other stuff Jesus did, you don't take part in that. But we take part because Jesus told them. Jesus told them, not you. All right. Now, you can find that in Mark 14, 24, Luke 22, 20. This is the New Testament in my blood. All right. Romans chapter 15, verse 8. Let's go over there. My whole point is to show you that the New Testament is not Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. The New Testament starts with the book of Romans. Why? Because the New Testament was given to the apostle Paul. Romans chapter 15 and verse 8. Now, most churches, they don't even want Matthew. They don't even want uh, the New Covenant. They just want Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. That's all, that's all for they go. They go to the book of Acts. Yeah, they go there for Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the book of Acts. Don't even go no further than that. You never enter into the new covenant. Romans chapter 15, out the King James says, Now I say that Jesus Christ was a minister of the Jews. That's the word circumcision. Jesus Christ was a minister of the circumcision, the Jews, for the truth of God to confirm the promises. Watch this. Made to the fathers. He didn't make no promises to Gentiles. He made the promises to the fathers. All right? So that's what you got to understand. God made the promise to the Father. We got everything in Christ. All right, now, with that in mind, this morning I gave you, uh, uh, I asked you a question. As a matter of fact, that's one of the things I'm going to get right, in, right into this one today because I want to know when did the new covenant begin. So let's go look at it. Hebrew chapter number 9. That's where you want to go look at. When did the new covenant begin? Hebrew 9, 16. I got to read it out to NLT though, gang. Hebrew 9, 16 to 22. I got to read it out to NLT. When did the new covenant begin? How do I know? See, if, I'm, if you got to know something, you got to know it by the word. You can't know it just because somebody else taught this. Hebrew 9, 16 out of the NLT. Here we go. Hebrew 9, 16. We're going to read the rest of this chapter just in, in NLT. Because Hebrew 9 and verse number 16. Now when someone leaves a will, remember I told you that the covenant has four definitions. Covenant, and I gave you the will, the agreement, the testament. So here we see the word will. But let's see when can you get a will. 
Now, you go, see, you got to know when the New Testament began. Here we go. Hebrews 9, 16. Now, when someone leaves a will, it is necessary to prove that the person who made the will is dead. All right. Now, some of you know that you're hearing this, that you can't get nothing a person left you unless you have proof of a death certificate. That's the first thing happens. When you go to a, uh, you go to a uh, funeral home and they work with you concerning a loved one, they're going to tell you you're going to need death certificates because you can't get your will without a death certificate. The death certificate from the, from the funeral home is your proof that the person is dead. Now, watch what it says again. Hebrews 9, 16. Now, when someone leaves a will, it is necessary to prove, you got to prove it, that the person who made the will is dead. Then in verse 17, the will goes into effect only after the person's death. All right. Now, the New Testament could not go into effect until after Jesus died. So you can't take Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John because Jesus hadn't died. Jesus died at the end of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. In every chapter, you see, you'll see he's dead, he buried, he raised again from the dead on the third day. They recorded it at the end of the book. So you can't go back there and say, okay then, Jesus said, this do and remembers of me. Jesus, Jesus hadn't died. See, the ministry, the ministry of the Holy Spirit is after Jesus died. What you're going by over here is what Jesus did. Jesus finished his work, died on the cross, fulfilled the, the, the book of the law, died. Remember I told you three words, law, sin, and death, finished. Now you enter into life, which is a new covenant. Now on this side, you have the Holy Spirit. So that's why the Bible says that in Hebrew chapter 9 uh, and verse number 16. It said, now when, that, when someone leaves a will, it's necessary to prove that the person who made the will is dead. The will goes into effect only after the person's death. While the person who made the will is still alive, the will cannot be put into effect. The will cannot go into effect until after the person is dead. Now watch what's going to happen next. It can't, it, it's verse number 18 says, that is why even the first commandment, the first covenant, I'm sorry, even the first covenant was put into effect with the blood of an animal. Now you know why Christ died? He had to put the will into effect. 
That is why even the first covenant was put into effect with the blood of an animal. For after Moses has reached each of God's commandments, after he read each of God's commandments to all the people, he took the blood of calves and goats along with water, and he sprinkled both the book of God's law and all the people using hyssop branches and scarlet wool. Then he says, here we go, this is... This blood confirms the covenant God has made with you. He took the blood and he sprinkled over the people, the book, the law of all the people. Because what was he doing? The blood was confirming. Now that was the Old Testament. But we have a better testament. We didn't, they didn't have to do the new covenant. Christ did it with his own blood. But the blood confirmed the covenant God made with you. In verse number 21, and in the same way, he sprinkled both, he sprinkled blood on the tabernacle and on everything used, watch this, for worship. Everything that they used in that place for worship that's why you cannot worship God unless you worship God in spirit and in truth. Because you've got to have the blood of Christ in your heart to worship Christ, to worship God. All right? Now, watch this because we're getting into some stuff I need to get to here. In fact, according to the law of Moses, nearly everything was purified with blood. Now, here we go. If everything is purified with blood and Christ's blood purified everything, what are you washing feet for? See, you got you to tell me why you're washing feet. Then you got to tell me why you got to be water baptized. Because that's what the blood did, isn't it? In a new covenant, God's not washing off your flesh. He's washing your soul. Let me say it again. In the new covenant, God's not washing your flesh off. That's what the man is doing in the pool. He washes your flesh off. Christ is washing off your soul so you can worship God. All right, watch this. And verse number 22 again. We are in Hebrew 9, 22. In fact, out of the NLT at that, according to the law of Moses, nearly everything was purified with blood. For without the shedding of blood, now watch this, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. Without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sin. So why are you still talking about water baptism and foot washing and all, all this other stuff to get rid of sin? Listen, if Christ had not died on the cross, there would not be no forgiveness of sin. Without the shedding of blood, Hebrews 9.22, there is no forgiveness of sin. Now in verse 23, that is why the tabernacle and everything in it which were copies of things in heaven had to be purified by the blood of animals. But the real thing in heaven had to be purified with far better sacrifices than the blood of animals. Christ did not enter into the holy place made with human hands, 
which was only a copy of the true one in heaven, he entered into heaven itself to appear before God on our behalf. Well, if he entered into heaven itself, who did he enter into? He entered into God himself. Let, let's show it to you, though. Let's just not take your words. Let's go and look at this in the Gospel of St. John, chapter 14. Let's bag back because Jesus is going to tell you where he's going. John, chapter 4. And the Bible says he entered into heaven itself. So if, if that's true, and it is, that's what happened when you get saved. Your soul entered into heaven itself. But what is it? Because what people tell you today is when somebody dies, they go into heaven. When do you go to heaven? Not when you die. You go to heaven, you get saved. John 14 and verse 1. Now you hear this at a funeral, and most people preaching don't know what they're talking about. But let's see where Jesus is going. Let's just use that, okay? Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Watch where he was going. In my father's house. Wait a minute. That's why I taught you last week on the new temple is better than the old. Because watch what he said. In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. Watch what he says. I go to prepare a place for you. Now, he's not talking to Gentiles. He's talking to Jews. He said to them, I go to prepare a place for you. Watch what he says. If I go and prepare a place for you. Now, how in the world you get Gentiles in there, I do not know. Gentile was not on the scene until you get into Paul's ministry. Watch what it says. I go to prepare a place for you. Verse 3 says, if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. Watch what it says. And receive you. Remember, he's not talking to Gentiles. Jesus Christ, Romans 15 and 8, was a minister of the circumcision, minister of the Jews. So he told them, I'm going to go again, and I'm going to come again. I'm going to go, and I'm going to come again, and I'm going to receive you to myself. Why way he say, that where I am, there you may be also. Now, you got to understand, when he said where I am, he did not say where I'm going. So you have to read the word like you know what you read. Where I am, where I am. Well, Jesus, where are you? See, if I was standing right there at that time, I, I said, Lord, where are you? You said, where I am. You must, admit, you must admit where I'm going, Jesus. No, 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 no. Where I am. Well, let's see where I am, Jesus. There you may be also. And then verse 4 says, and whether I go. Wait a minute. Where I am and where I go. 
you know, you know, and the way you know. Thomas said to him, Lord, we know not whether you go or the how can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I'm the way. I'm the way, the truth, and the light. Then he's going to say something. Don't miss it. No man cometh to the Father. Wait, wait a minute. Where was Jesus going? Where, he said, where I am. Where, where was he? Where was the Father? Is in, in, in Christ. Where was Christ? In the Father. Here he says, no man come to the Father but by me. So what happened when a man gets saved? God put you in the spirit realm, in Christ, in the Father. And the Father is called, watch this, heaven. I just read it to you in the book of Hebrews chapter 9. I just showed you Jesus entered into heaven itself. Well, if Jesus entered into heaven itself, what did he enter? He entered into the Father. See, the Father is called the kingdom of heaven. And the Son is called the kingdom of God. That's why the kingdom of God is in you. And your soul is in the kingdom of heaven. So you don't die to go to heaven. And really, you got to get born of the Spirit to get to go to heaven. I know what you mean. But it's not truth. Now watch what he's going to say here. And verse 7, if you had known me, you should have known my father also. From henceforth you know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the father and suffices us. Jesus said, have I been so long time with you, Philip, and yet thou hast not known me? He that has seen me has seen the father. How said thou show us the father? Here we go. Show you one more. Verse 20, verse 10, believe, believe thou not that I am in the Father and the Father in me. Wait a minute. Jesus in the Father and the Father in Jesus. You know, that's the same way it is with you, right? You in Christ and Christ in you, right? Then it says, the words that I speak to you, I speak not of myself, but the Father which dwelleth in me, he doeth the works. And then verse 11. Believe me that I'm in the Father. Why so? Why that's so hard to believe? Because they didn't have faith. Believe me that I'm in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the very work's sake. See, he went through that on and on and on and on. In verse number 20, verse 20 says, when I rise from the dead, he said, look, on that day when I rise from the dead, you're going to know that I'm in the Father, and you in me, and I in you. See, that's what happens when you get saved. You know that you are in the Father and the Father in you. See, you know that Christ is in you and you in Christ. Now, let's go back over here to Hebrews chapter 9 because I showed you something. See, we got this myth of heaven, but we don't know what heaven is. So in Hebrews chapter number 9, Paul just told us by the Holy Ghost where Jesus was. In verse 24, Hebrew 9 and verse 24. Here we go. Christ is not entered into the holy place, places with an S, made with hands. 
So he was letting them know he's not in that physical temple because that's made with hands. But into those things, there's a figure of the truth. He said, but Christ is in heaven itself now to appear in the presence of God for us. Isn't that something? Christ. Christ is in heaven. But heaven is not a building. Heaven is a person. See, the kingdom of heaven is the Father. The kingdom of God is the Son. All right, now, let's, let's move on. I gave, I gave you that because, because I want to take you to uh, the 10th chapter. But before we get to the 10th chapter, I got, I got to show you something. Let's go to uh, Colossians 1 and 9. Let's back up. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 9. So I showed you when the New Testament began. Without the shedding of blood, there was no remission. The New Testament had the start of the cross when Christ rose from the dead. All right, now, let's go to uh, Colossians chapter 1, verse 9 and 10. That's where we're at. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 9 and 10. Now, I, I, I'm going to read this out to King James, verse 9 and 10. Then I'm going to have to have you to change it over because i got to read that same thing out of the NLT. Colossians chapter 1, verse 9 and 10. Just those two verses, though. For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, Paul says, we do not cease to pray for you and the desire that you might be filled. I'm going to ask you a question. Paul said, I'm praying that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will. Why do you have, why do I think, why do you think I talk so much about his knowledge? Why, why do you think I talk so much about the knowledge of his will? Now remember, God's new covenant is his will. He wants you to have knowledge of his will. He wants you to know his will. So Colossians chapter 1 and verse 9, I the King James said, For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, cease not to pray for you and desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will. Watch this. In all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Then he's going to tell you why. Why do you need to be filled with the knowledge of his will? Here it is. Verse number 10. That you might walk worthy of the Lord under all pleasing, that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful. See, why are people not being fruitful? They're not filled with the knowledge of his will. That's why this broadcast is on there, to give you God's knowledge of his will. So you can be fruitful in every good work, and watch this, increasing in the knowledge of God. And it don't stop there. It goes on and on. Verse number 11. Strengthen with all might, according to his glorious power, 
unto all patience and long suffering with joyfulness. And then you'll go on into giving thanks to the Father, which made us to be partake of the inheritance of the saints in light. See, all this, all of this stuff God said he would do. But I'm, I'm going to key on this because I want to show you that Colossians chapter 1. Why do we need to be filled with God's knowledge? Uh, let's read that same thing out of the... Well, matter of fact, let's go to Philippians first. Let's go to Philippians 2. Now, that's, this is going to be out the NLT. Philippians 2, 12 and 13. You in Colossians bag up one book. Philippians chapter 2. Verse 12 and 13. Philippians 2, 12 and 13. Why do you need to be filled with the knowledge of his will? See, if you're not filled with the knowledge of his will, you can't be fruitful. What did God say? Be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth, subdue and have dominion. You can't be fruitful without the knowledge of his will. But let's show you something else. We're reading out of the NLT. And I'm reading Philippians chapter 2 and verse 12. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 12. I got to switch Bibles here, I'm sorry. Philippians chapter 2. And let's look at verse 12 and 13. Philippians chapter 2, verse 12 and 13. He says, Dear friends, you always follow my instruction. Wait a minute, always? Yeah. Dear friend, you always follow my instruction when I was with you. I thought we supposed to do what Jesus says. That's your problem. Dear friends, you always follow my instructions when I was with you. And now that I am all, I'm away, it's even more important. Work hard to show the results of your salvation. Work hard to show the results of your salvation. Obeying God with deep reverence and fear. For God is working in you. What? Yeah. God is working in you. Here it is. Giving you the desire. You think you, you, think you had the desire by yourself. Now, God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what please him. Wait, wait, hold on. God working in me, giving me the desire and the power to do what please him? Yeah. See, you're not just holy just because you say you are. You're not just obeying God because you think you are. See, so, so many times we think we're living so good, we want to pat ourselves on the back. You, you're not doing anything. You, listen to that again. Verse number 12. Dear, dear friends, you always follow my instructions when I was with you. And now that I'm away, it's even more important. Work hard to show the results of your salvation. Well, how am I so... What, how am I show the results of my salvation? Here it is. Obeying God with deep reverence and fear. Obeying his word. Then he's going to say, God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what please him. 
See, it's God that worketh in me, both the will and the do of his good pleasure. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not this smart. It's really that I got a smart God. I'm not this holy, I just got a holy God. I'm not this righteous, I just got a righteous God. I'm not this powerful, I just got a powerful God. See, all those words you want to use, give him the praise. Because it's God who worketh in you, both the live, both the will, and the do of his good pleasure. Now, because I gave you that, I showed you why to be filled with God's knowledge. And now we're going to go to, to the 10th chapter of the book of Hebrews. I, I, I need to really do that. That was, there's so much in this covenant. But let's go, we're going to see a lot of it in Hebrews chapter 10. And let's go over to Hebrews chapter 10. Now, I'm going to stay with uh, the King James on that. We're not going to give you no hard assignment there. Hebrews chapter number 10 out of the King James. And we'll stay there for a minute. Hebrews chapter 10. And I'm going to need to start verse 1. Because in this series, what God's doing, he's showing you that the new is better than the old, and then he shows you the new way is better than the old way. The new covenant is better than the old covenant. See, God, God, is, God is spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. You can't keep doing the bread on the table. That's not spirit. You can't keep washing feet, that's not spirit. You can't keep water baptized, that's not spirit, that's flesh. Hebrews chapter 10, verse number 1. For the law, having a shadow of good things, remember the law means works. For the law, having a shadow of good things to come, not the very image of the things, watch this, can never, with those sacrifices which they offer year by year continually, make the commas thereunto, here it is, perfect. Now, now you remember this word perfect, we gave you the definition for the word perfect this morning. And we showed you that the word perfect means righteous. I'm not going to take you through that. I gave it to you this morning. The word perfect means righteous. Galatians chapter 2, verse 21. Perfect means right. I'm just going to have to show you. I just got to do it. I said I wasn't going to do it. Galatians chapter 2 and verse 21. And Galatians chapter 2, verse 21 says, I do not frustrate the grace of God. If righteousness come by the law, if righteousness come by the law. Then Christ is dead in vain. Righteousness come by the law. Yeah. If righteousness come by the law, Christ is dead in vain. Let's go back to Hebrews chapter 10. So this word perfect is righteous. Hebrews chapter number 10. 
He says in verse 1, the law having a shadow of good things to come, not the very image of the thing, can never with those sacrifices which they offer year by year continually make the comers thereunto perfect. Perfect. Talking about without guilt, without condemnation. Then would they have ceased to be offered because they, because the worshipers, there it is, the worshipers once purged should have had no more conscience of sin. See, if, if, if what you did was by, by the cross, it would have no more conscience of sin. So you need to ask yourself, why do you still have conscience of sin? Why that's all you talk about? Why you always got to talk about you baptized in water to wash away your sin? Because my Bible just told me Hebrew chapter 10 and verse 2 says, Then would they have not have ceased to be offered because the worshipers once purged. If they was really purged, they should have had no more conscience of sin. Should not have had no more sin. But in those sacrifices... There's a remembrance again made of sin, watch this, every year. Now, what happens when people take communion on Sunday morning? There's a remembrance of sin. Every time you do water baptism, you are remembering sin. Every time you do communion, eating the bread and the wine off the table, you are remembering sin. That's how they were doing the same thing. Now, only I'm going to show you the new covenant, Christ remembers sin no more. But because you keep doing the law, you keep remembering the sin. Verse number three again. In those sacrifices, every time you do them over and over, there's remembers again made of sin every year. For, if the, for, it, for it is not possible it is not possible that the blood of bulls, the blood of goats, should take away sin. It was not possible. Wherefore, when Christ came into the world, he says, Sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not, but a body thou hast prepared me. And burnt offerings and sacrifice for sin. Watch this. Thou hast had no pleasure. God had no pleasure. Then Christ says, Father, lo, I come in the volume of the book as is written of me. I come to do thy will, O God. I come to do thy will. That's why you have a new will and testament. Everything Jesus did, I come to do thy will. So when you still want the bread on the table, you are rejecting God's will. When you keep washing feet in the church, you're rejecting God's will. When you keep water baptizing, you're rejecting God's will. Christ came and did God's will. So what are you doing? Huh? What are you doing? Verse number seven. Then said I, lo, I come in the volume of the book. It's written of me. 
to do thy will, O God. Then it says above, when he says sacrifice and offering, we just read that in that same chapter. Sacrifice and offerings and burnt offering and offering for sin, thou, would, thou wouldest not neither have any pleasure therein which are offered by the law. You still, you still under the law. Then said Christ, Lo, Father, I come to do thy will, O God. Watch what he did. He taketh away the thirst. Talking about the first covenant. He taketh away the first. How did he take the first away? He fulfilled it. He taketh away the first covenant that he may establish the second covenant or the new covenant. By the which covenant, by the which will, covenant, we are sanctified, not going to be. We are sanctified through the offering of the body of Christ once for all. Now, if you're still eating the bread off the table, I want to know why you're doing it. You got to tell the people what you're doing, why you're doing it. If you see a water baptizing in the church, why are you doing it? You got to have a reason why you're doing it. If you foot wash in the church, why are you doing it? There's nowhere the new covenant told you to do it. Why are you doing it? Verse 10 again. By the which will, by this new covenant, we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Christ once for all. And every priest standeth daily and offering oftentimes the same sacrifice, same bread on the table every first Sunday, same water in the pool, which can never, did you hear what I said? Which can never take away sins. Now, if I was, if I was still going to a church like that and people still doing that, I would take the Bible and show it to the preacher, and I want to know what do this mean? Because the Bible says what we are doing can never take away sin. So why are you doing it? Come on, just between me and you. Why are you still doing it? The Bible says it can never take away sin. But look at the next verse. Hallelujah. Now this is why I love God. God will tell you you can't do it, and then he'll turn around and tell you who, who, who can. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 12, but this man. Oh, somebody ought to say it, but this man. You out there on Facebook, I need you to shout it out. But this man, Jesus. But this man, Christ Jesus. Watch this, here it is. Hebrews chapter number 10, but this man, Christ Jesus. After he had offered, watch this, watch this, this man, somebody said this man, this man, Christ Jesus. After he had offered, watch this, one, somebody hold the finger up, give me a one on that Facebook out there, give me a one. After he had offered one 
sacrifice for sin. One. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins, yes, forever. One sacrifice for sin, forever. Christ died on the cross, offered one sacrifice for sin, forever. My point is, what are you doing? You got to be smarter than to sit up in the church and let somebody tell you they can baptize you in water and wash away your sin. When the Bible just told you Christ died on the cross to wash away your sin once for all, forever. So I don't really blame the preacher, I blame you. You got more education than the preacher. You can read. And then when you want to obey the word, you got some folks out there who want to give you a guilt trip. Let me read it again. Verse 11. We're going to back back to verse 11. Every priest standing daily ministering and offering, oftentimes the same sacrifice, which can never, just back up to verse 11, that's all you're doing, Hebrew 10 and verse 11, which can never take away sin. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins, forever sat down on the right hand of God from henceforth expecting till his enemy be made his footstool. Then he's going to blow you away again, verse 14. For by one offering, he had perfected. Now we know what the word perfected is now. We've been talking about this morning, being made righteous. When God perfect you, he made you righteous. To be perfected means to be made holy. I don't need nobody to wash my feet. I'm already holy. Thank you. I don't need nobody to water baptize me. I'm already holy. I'm already perfected in Christ. Come on, pastor. You perfected in Christ. Can you hold your finger right there? we right back. Put something there. We come back to Hebrew 10, 14. We go into Colossians 1.28. Don't drop your cup. Colossians 1.28. Don't drop your cup. This stuff is so good, man. I tell you, it'll make you throw religion away. You can get married with me if you want to. I tell you one thing. I'm the best friend you got. Because you know why? I don't mind telling you the truth. I already lost members. Lost a lot of them. Because when you start telling people what the words say, they're going to go somewhere else and see what somebody else said. And by the time they go to about five or six different churches, then you realize, oh, Crump was right all along. No, Crump wasn't right. The Bible was right. Here we go. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 28. Paul said, this is who we preach. We preach Christ. One and every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we might present every man, there he is, don't drop your cup. Every man perfect in Christ. Now, here's the question. 
If God made you perfect in Christ, why do I need to baptize you? What am I saying to God when I baptize a person he's already made perfect? What am I saying to God? What am I saying to Christ? Here it is. God come down here, put on flesh, down the cross for the sins of the world, and make man perfect in Christ. He sends unto me, and the first thing I do is try to get them cleaned up. I got to make them, I got to wash them off. What am I doing? I got to make them perfect-er, perfect-er. Well, Christ already made them perfect. He made them righteous. What can you do to them but receive them? Once a person is in Christ, they've been perfected forever. They're sanctified forever. Colossians 1, one more time. Here we go. Whom we preach Christ, one in every man and teaching every man in all wisdom, that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. Whereunto I also labor, Paul says, striving according to his working, which worketh in me mightily. That's what Paul doing, preaching Christ. And what Christ doing? He's perfecting them in righteousness. That's why he was raised from the dead. You do know that, right? Look at Romans 4, look at Romans 4.25 out of the good news, out of the NLT. Romans 4.25. Then we're going to close out. Romans chapter 4 and verse 25. See, if you read this stuff, you get hooked on it, man. And you're just not going to believe no religion. You throw religion out. If you ever get, if you ever get a good dose of this gospel of Christ, you're going to throw that religion away anyway. You're going to throw it away. Somebody going to find it down the road. You're going to be like, I used to have that. <laughs> Romans chapter 4. And the last verse is verse number 25. Romans chapter 4, the last verse. We're reading that out of the NLT, uh, verse number 25. Romans chapter 4, here it is. He was handed over to die because of our sins. He was handed over to the Roman soldiers to die because of our sins. But he was raised to life. There it is. Why was he raised to life? To make us right with God. God raised his son from the dead to make us right with God. That's an awesome thing. To make you right with God. Let's go back to Hebrew. We can finish. We got one minute. Hebrew chapter 10, verse 14. By one offering. Hebrew 10, 14 out of King James. By one offering, there it is. He has perfected. He has made righteous. Here he is. He has made righteous. By one offering, he has made righteous forever. How long are you righteous, first lady? Forever. You've been perfected forever in Christ. You're made righteous forever in Christ. Well, what happened when you missed the mark one day? That's when you got the religious people. 
You tell me that salvation is going to work then? Bless God. They're unbelievers. God get, made you righteous. That's how, because he, he knows you're going to fall short. Does he want us to fall short? No. But he already paid for it. Watch this. Here we go. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 14. By, by, for by one offering, he has perfected forever them that are sanctified. Now watch this. Here we go. Here we go. Whereof the Holy Ghost also witnesses to us for after that he has said before, this is the covenant that I would make with them after those days, said the Lord, I will put my laws into their heart. I will put my laws in their mind. I will write them in their hearts. And their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. Lord, do you know what you said? Yeah. That's why I gave you a new covenant. Your sins and iniquity will I remember no more. Now, where remission of these is, there is no more offering, no more baptism, no more bread on the table, no more washing feet, because there's no more offering for sin. There's nothing else you can do. My time is up, and I thank you for yours. I just want to ask you one question. 1 Corinthians 15 said, Christ died for our sins. He was buried. God raised him from the dead. You need to do is receive him. Come on, just receive him. Receive Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. Father, I receive Christ's death, burial, and resurrection for the payment for my sin. I receive Christ's death, burial, and resurrection for the final payment for my sin. And I thank you, Father, for giving me the Holy Spirit and making me your own son. My time is up. I thank you for yours. And the door of faith is open unto you. Thank you for listening to the Door of Faith Ministries podcast. I hope this message was a blessing to you and we look forward to seeing you on the next episode. If you're listening on iTunes, be sure to give us a five-star rating. Also, be sure to find us online at www.mydoorfaith.org. That's www.mydoorfaith.org.